What's up, guys? Today on the show, we're going to be talking to an amazing guest who had a professional baseball career and obviously made his way through the professional ranks of baseball. But we're going to be talking about faith and how that had an impact in his life, not only in just his personal life, but in his athletic career. And then even after his athletic career ended and what he's doing now to help people uh, that are also believers in Christ. It's an important message that I feel that all athletes, parents, and coaches need to be listening to. So if you're you know into this podcast today, I'd encourage you guys, you guys, put your devices, take notes, notes if a pen and paper, take notes, take notes, or just be ready to pause and rewind and listen to some of these things because it's so much more important than just the game. We're going to be talking about the parallels between sports and life as we normally do. We're going to be talking about how your belief in the Lord can have a monumental impact on your life on and off the field or in whatever sport you play. You don't want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What is up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson. As you guys know, I am the host of the show. If you if you know, because this might be your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. Welcome aboard. I'm happy to have you guys here. Even if this is the only episode that you guys listen to, I'm grateful to have you guys here because we have an awesome story uh, with an amazing guest coming your way today. As I said in the introduction, you guys are going to love this one. We're going to be talking about his sports background as well as his faith and his entrepreneurial journey, uh, the book that he's written, and how it all intertwines together. Um, I think it's an important message that needs to get out there uh, to everyone. So I want to give a shout out to all the listeners, uh, everybody. At the time of this recording, this show has been downloaded in 180 countries, uh, and I appreciate that. Over the last six years, it's all organic growth from those who have shared the show, who have been on the show, any listener who is you know, from here or there, whatever, Thank you guys. Um, I appreciate everybody. The sponsors of every, you know, if you sponsored an episode of the podcast, I appreciate you. I, I just am so grateful for everybody who's been along for the ride since 2017 when I was finishing up my senior year in college as a 28 year old and uh, decided to start this in my kitchen. It's uh, been an amazing journey. So thank you guys for all the support. And all I ask is if you guys could kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone or an Apple device, if you're listening to this and you haven't done so, it takes 30 seconds. If you could leave a five-star review and let us know what you think of the episode, that helps the podcast more and more people. So joining me today today on the show, uh, former professional athlete, the man who is, is an author, we're going to get into his book here in just a minute, entrepreneur, a believer, a man of, uh, I guess, many talents, if you will. His name is Bob Wheatley, and we're excited to chat with him. So Bob, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was looking forward to this. And anytime we're talking about sports and Jesus, I'm on board. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. Super excited to get into the interview, man. I I, I want to rewind the clock a little bit, you know, get to know your story from from before now, right? We want to rewind the clock and kind of get to get to box some things and learn about your journey. So so I mentioned earlier, professional athlete, you know, you know, professional baseball experience, which we will get into. But I kind of want to, you know, for the first time on this show unpack like your your faith at a young age like i always talk to people about their athleticism and when they got get into ath, you know athletics and when do they start their their sports journey i want to actually ask you the opposite question when did uh faith become something that was important for you yeah that's it, it i can answer that question one of two ways it's either on paper or in reality because on paper i would have said i was a christian for a long time i actually went to a christian middle school went to a Christian high school. So for six years of my life, the first period of the day, every day was Christian learning. I'm memorizing scripture, going to chapel. That's already, you know, set times right before lunch, stuff like that. I was around the things of the church and I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't an objector. I would have told you, yeah, I'm absolutely on board with this. I am a Christian. And as I look back on it now, I think I was doing the best I could with the tools I had, but realistically, I wasn't a Christian. I just wasn't because a Christian, a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ 
is someone who obeys. And it's not that we do it perfectly. That is literally impossible with the, the hardware, the human flesh that we have. Like we just have a fallen nature. We're not godlike in that respect. Like we're all sinners. Everybody slips up. However, once somebody truly becomes a believer, becomes a Christian, there is a distinct shift in that person's life. The music they listen to, the things they watch on television, the people they hang around how much they drink like there is a oh that person became a christian in 1996 2006 2016 like whatever it is it is so clear that hey you're a different person what happened so my you're a different person what happened moment was about five years ago it was towards the tail end of my professional career actually so again on paper I had been a Christian for 12 years. Like, yeah, I was baptized at 12, which again, that, that looks like a Christian on paper. That's, that's kind of what you do. And then you go to the Christian school, you have the crosses on the back of your baseball and football uniforms. And I truly believed in my heart, I was a Christian because I was praying before meals. I was praying before I went to bed. I was kind of checking all these boxes and that felt like enough for me. And, but then you look at what Jesus says, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So I was just really convicted by that towards the tail end of my professional baseball careers. I was 25. This would have been in the summer of 17. And I was really convicted around sin. It's like, yeah, Jesus, you're right. Like, if I loved you, I would obey you. Like even in the areas that might be an inconvenience to me or something that I, I didn't do, if you are truly my master, truly my Lord, I am surrendering the right to make those decisions. You call the shots for me, I follow. And so I, again, on paper, I would have said I was a Christian. In reality, I definitely was not because I was the quarterback of my own life, the one that was calling the shots. And Frankly, it's it's pretty easy to see if somebody is a believer or not. And it, it lays this out in scripture. It has nothing to do with the words that you say. It has nothing to do with how much you go to church. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're checking the prayer before dinner box. The way that you can know if somebody's a believer is if they obey. That's it. Like it is truly that simple. You can follow the fruit in that person's life. And again, that does not mean that they won't slip up as a believer, but the general direction of that person's life is one that continues to say, yes. Okay, Lord, I, yes, I will, I will go your way. I'm, I'm imperfect. I want to do what you want. And so that didn't really shift for me until frankly, I saw a lot of things in my life, baseball, uh, a professional dream that I had running a protein bar business and then relationally. So I'd like baseball business girl, everything was, was lost within that summer of 2017, like all in quick succession. So my big league dreams, my business, and then the future marriage that I wanted, everything was gone. So fortunately for me, I failed big enough early enough to give my life over to him. Um, frankly, if I ended up throwing baseballs faster <laughs> and getting to the big leagues. I don't know if I ever would have gotten there. What's up, guys? Just want to take a quick break and give a shout out to today's sponsor of the podcast. Like I said in the introduction, it's Ripped Nutrition, locally owned and operated hardcore supplement store here in Boise. They're off of Milwaukee. I'll put the address in the description here of the podcast. You guys can see it there, but they are amazing. I got, I've gone there for my own stuff. They've got the exclusive RIP series for products, but they've also got Hyped Subs, Insane Labs, Bucked Up, Innova Farm, Chaotic Labs, and a lot more. So if you guys enjoy those brands, go in there and check it out. Or if you haven't tried the RIP series supplements that they have, go check those out too. And the best thing is, if you have questions on those, the owner will give you the information that you need. So Matt's in there. He's offering free one-on-one -on -one and group supplement consultations. So if you guys have questions on what you want to take as you're getting ready for the off-season and trying to you know, get bigger, stronger, and faster... Go check it out. Ask him, um, and he can he can help you out with it. And they've got some awesome proteins by High Tech, Astroflave, True Fit, and Mutant. Um, they're just awesome. They've got everything for weight loss, muscle building, just pre workouts, uh, post workouts. 
And the best thing is, man, they've they've also got some non-stims. So if you're like me and you were trying to, you know, wean yourself off of caffeine for a little while to let your adrenals have a break, they've got non-stims too. But they've got everything on the shelves. He'll help you out. Hit up Rip Nutrition in Boise on Milwaukee. Check it out, guys. You know, I that's interesting to because because it, it goes into the whole conversation. It sounds cliche, but um, everything happens for a reason, right? I, I always talk about how the Lord is playing chess, not checkers. Like He strategically puts certain situations in your in your life, he puts different people in your life. Um, you can put He's testing you, right? Like right, like He tests and, and wants to see how we're going to react. And the pull, perfect thing about Him, though, is, is is the Lord loves us no matter what. So he's going to continue to love you and continue to, even if you slip up, he's going to continue to put you in, like give you opportunities to, to obey and to show your love for him. And I think that's awesome that you said that. Um, and I, the whole, the thing that keeps coming back as you're talking, right, Bob is, is a Christian on paper, right? Now I think a lot of young athletes that, um, you know, claim to be Christian, they probably are, are the same way. Like, or they, they may or may not be like struggling with similar things. Like, and that, that phrase I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. A lot of that are listening to this be like, yeah, am I, am I, am I a Christian on paper? And to your, your advice that you were given essentially just through your response was, do you obey? Right? Like, or do you, do you strive to do your best to obey? Like, are you obeying? Cause that's, if you love me, keep my commandments. I love that. I love that. Now going and, and mixing this into your sports career, you mentioned growing up in a, in a, going to a Christian middle school, Christian high school and the athletic side of things. It's, hard for some kids to just because of the nature of competition like to be an active believer as well as being a high profile athlete so maybe let's break that down a little bit when you knew like you were at the baseball like you, you said okay i have an opportunity to play at a higher level of baseball i guess my question would be did you struggle with any of that at that time too of like how do you be a believer as well as a high-profile athlete? Yeah, I I would say that I'm, I'll probably answer that question differently today than I would have when I was actually playing. And I thought I was a believer. I don't know if I necessarily was. If Jesus says, hey, this is how you'll know, then I, I wasn't a believer, no matter you know what my, what my Instagram said. So as far as the challenge there, I think... I mean, it's a, it's a really good question because there are some aspects of competition, frankly, that aren't godly, that aren't biblical. There are some things that you might do as an athlete that will make you an amazing athlete and a terrible man. So you just need to decide what's my goal. Is my goal to be a world-class athlete or is my goal to be a world-class human? I think there are times where you really have to decide which route you want to go. There are, there are Christian true believers that are at the highest level of any professional sport. So it's not like believing in God or officially giving your life over to him. It's going to detract or prevent that from happening. That's just not true at all. If God, as the author of your story has written in, this person will glorify my name through sports that will 100% happen. Like it's written in the book, it's done. So I don't want you to think if you're listening to this, like, oh, but like, if I, if I give my life over to God, and if I, you know, start becoming one of those weird Christian people that all of a sudden, I won't be as good of a football player, or I won't throw baseballs as hard, or I won't try as hard. That's not true at all. Like to be a Christian, that does not mean you all of a sudden become a pushover or anything like that. But what it might do is your perspective. So I guess the way I would answer that is if let, let's say that I gave my life over to him at 12 years old when I was baptized and I truly felt like my mission from 20 to, to 25 was something that God had ordained for me to do was to pour myself out into baseball. I might've even been a better player player because I was a Christian, because now it's not selfish ambition. It's not my own energy that's getting me up early in the morning or forcing me to work hard in the off season or whatever it might be. It is a, no, this is a divine appointment. This is something that the creator of everything I believe has put on my heart to do. That's so much more powerful than like, Hey, let's pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's American dream this thing. Like 
you are the master of your fate. Like, no, you're not doing this alone. No Christian does. So there's kind of two sides to that coin for me to answer that question, because that's the danger in giving your life over to God. And I'm kind of being facetious when I say danger, but that's the risk you run. Like there, there's no 50% surrender, man. I surrender. So if God, if you, you know, say, Lord, I'm really convicted by this. You say, if I love you, I will obey you. And I'm not obeying you. So I don't love you. Like that is a one plus one equals two thing. So my actions are showing I don't love you yet. I wear a cross necklace. There's a disconnect there. Like I want to love you. So I will start obeying that. And that's when things get interesting because all of a sudden you're not the quarterback of your life. You've handed your life over to God. You're, you've handed over the pen of the story that's being written. Who knows? He might ask you to be a missionary. You might end your baseball career there and then boom, you're over in Haiti the next summer. Like you, you have no idea, but what you can know is that God, as the author of your story, number one, he will accomplish whatever he wants to through your life, but also he's a loving father. He knows how to give good gifts. So it seems scary and some just like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a missionary and go over to Haiti. And, you know, I want to play baseball. I want to win world series and make a lot of money. He, as your loving father and your creator, he knows exactly what you want. So like if, if those are two, and it's a pretty stark difference, like world series ring or missionary, you know, basically handing your life over just for the sake of example, those are, you know, two pretty extreme things. God knows exactly what will light you up. So you might be thinking, oh, big leagues, money, fame, blue check mark. Like I'm going to be something awesome. And he, as your creator knows, like, no, you actually, you really want to serve people like you. I have given you unique gifts to love people well, to change people's lives. And so you might win the world series and stuff like that. Those crowds will always fade what's going to stick with you, what's going to be on your deathbed, what you're thinking about is the people that you served in Haiti. That's what's going to change your life. That's what you're actually chasing. It's not the World Series, not the blue check mark. So that's the, it feels dangerous, but it's not dangerous at all. I've experienced that in my life where once in my life over to God, it's like all of a sudden I'm this Christian author, podcaster. Like I, I had no desires to do any of those things and it lights me up more than anything. God would know that. Super interesting. No, it is interesting. I love it. Love it. Love all of this. And I, when I want those athletes and even the non-athletes alike, the, like the ones into this, you know, apply some of this into your life and understand like, you know, I, I one of the things that stood out and this is what I want to reiterate is if you are a believer, that's actually an advantage for you. Like you, you've got God on your side. So he knows what you, and you can go in. It's almost like a team. It changes your perspective. You mentioned perspective before. And I've noticed that in my own life, like as, as you go to compete, as you go and do these things, and even if you're not an athlete, as you go into your day-to-day -day life, you go to work, you go to do those things that are like just normal day-to-day -day things, but especially athletes, if you're going out to come out to compete, it's almost like, like, it's almost very powerful because you almost have a, a, a team alongside you and you understand your, 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 you understand your point and your purpose a little bit more as you continue to build your relationship with him. And it's, it's actually super powerful and super cool. Um, that's why I try to tell the young athletes, like, it's a cool thing to be a believer. I'll never force you to do anything, but I will try to show you how powerful you can be and how cool you can be if you have him on your side. So, you know, Bob, as, as we look at your, your life though, as you were going from high school, from the baseball side of things, what was the next steps, right? So like you, you were going to compete at the next level, level. I want to talk, talk about, talk about your athletic background a little bit, a little bit here. Obviously you were good at what you did. So, so what point did you say, Hey, I'm going to go play, you know, at the next level. And what was the transition like going from high school to the collegiate realm? And then again, from the collegiate realm to the professional realm. Yeah. So I would say high school was truly the last time that I felt like the best player on the field. 
And I grew up in Southern California. It's a pretty competitive high school sports landscape. I played quarterback on the football team. I was a starting pitcher on the baseball team. And like I said, that felt like the final time where talent could kind of get me over the hump, so to say. I went to school at USC, University of Southern California. I was on a baseball scholarship there. I was never all conference. I was just kind of a guy. You know, I had a, had a like a serviceable, respectable college career, but nothing really to write home about. And so as far as that transition, like I'm tall, I'm left-handed, that serves you as a pitcher. I probably could have gone to a division one school for football. It would have been a smaller school, maybe like the, you know, the WAC or something or Nevada, Reno, Boise, San Diego state, something like that. But I wanted to play in the PAC 12. So baseball was going to be the ticket. And I was looking at USC, UCLA has an amazing baseball program and then Stanford and Oregon. Cause my dad grew up in Eugene, but my parents met at USC. So I grew up a huge USC Trojan fan. I was right during the Pete Carroll heyday where they're, you know, winning Rose Bowls left and right. And so when USC offered me a scholarship, that was basically a done deal because I lived maybe 45 minutes away. So it was close to home, but not crazy close. Like I had my independence, but I could also, you know, see my family, which was something that was important to me. Totally. And then, like I said, I, I was just kind of a, a guy like middle of the road in college, I ended up signing as a senior. So the Toronto Blue Jays, I was the 26th round pick and I was number 774 overall. So again, just kind of a, kind of a guy. I was a senior sign that meant I had no leverage. I was a thousand dollar signing bonus and a plane ticket. That's, you know, but when the Blue Jays called, I didn't even expect to get drafted because I actually had a better junior senior year. So I ended up getting a phone call from him like, hey, will you sign for $1,000? I was like, duh, <laughs> like, oh, of course I will. Absolutely. You just tell me when I need to be in Florida and I'm there. And so I start my professional career, played for the Blue Jays for two seasons, got released, ended up signing as a free agent with St. Louis. So I went to spring training with the Cardinals in 2016. I actually had my best season uh, that third year of pro ball. Then I reported to spring training the following year, 2017 with them got released coming out of spring training. And then I played for a couple months in independent professional baseball in the frontier league. I was playing in normal Illinois for the normal corn belters. I was making 600 bucks a month. And that was basically the last. The blue Jays cutting me wasn't enough for me to go home. Cause I truly felt like I'd, I had my best baseball ahead of me. And then I got best baseball with the Cardinals specifically in 16. But then even when the Cardinals released me, I, I was playing well. Like I wasn't, wasn't pitching my best at all in that spring training. And I was like, man, I, this just does not feel right as far as shutting it down now. I feel defeated. I feel like I, I have not played my best ball. So went home, spent a couple months, got some stuff dialed in mechanically and, you know, continue to stay in shape. And then when I signed with normal, I had this moment where I was actually starting for them. I had been a reliever for my previous three years, but I had this moment where, you know, I think I was in my sixth start or something and, you know, some pretty good starts, some average starts. This one was pretty bad. So I had thrown three innings, maybe gave up four runs, like not the end of the world, but you don't want to be, you know, knocked out in the third inning as a starter. And I remember I was sitting in the dugout watching the guy who came in for me. And this guy's like six foot six, 240, throwing 95 miles an hour, some awesome curveball, watching him warm up. And it just hit me. I was like, I will never play in the big leagues. Good to know because I'm watching this guy. His name is Sean Blackwell. He spent some time in the, uh, I think it's the Rangers organization, but you know, he's playing, playing with normal. I'm watching Sean warm up and this guy is just gross. He's this amazing pitcher. And I thought this dude is a million times better than I am a million times. He is so much a better pitcher than I am. And he will not get to the big leagues. I need to go home. Like it's done. I will, I will never 
pitching the big legs, big leagues. If Sean Blackwell is throwing 96 miles an hour, pitching for the normal corn belters for 600 bucks a month, there are so many amazing pitchers that are going to prevent me from getting to the show. So I had that moment of, because I told myself I was going to keep playing as long as I thought I had a chance to make it. So I finally had that. Look, man, you've done everything you possibly can, but you're 87 to 90, topping 92. Like this is 2017, man. That doesn't play. Like you need to be, you need to be bumping it up mid nineties at least. And so I had that moment where I was like, okay, my parents are supposed to come out to my next start. That was, that was true. How awesome. It's going to be like a Mariano Rivera type moment. Like I, I know my final game because I'm going to retire after that start. And so we, it was a road game. We drive home and then literally the next day I got released by buzzers. And so I was on a flight from Chicago to LA within three hours. It just felt like a total, uh, I was going to say a God thing, but it just, it was, I, I had the closure that I was looking for. It's like, well, duh, I, I was going to retire. I was going to hang it up in four days. So what's the difference with me booking a flight tonight? It's not a huge deal. So yeah, that was the journey for me. And, but when that happened, when I realized as I'm flying home from Chicago, I'm never going to be a big leaguer. And that was something that I fought for, for years. That's when things move around as far as my faith and really my, my journey truly beginning as a Christian when I had lost I everything. That That's so crazy to me hearing that because I'm trying to put myself in your position, right? You've been fighting for a goal, you know, like what you would consider a goal athletically and professionally for so long. And then you had that realization. Um, I think that happens to it. Like at least I shouldn't say at least, cause that, that undermines everything, but like you had the opportunity and a blessing to be able to play at that level. When you realized, I think there's a lot of, a lot of young men and young women that I guess maybe, realize it a little younger uh so they don't have that opportunity to to get to the the next level i guess my question for you having been through that bob is this uh and this might be a tough question because it's some that some that i'm with myself as a coach i coach basketball and so sometimes these kids that are coming out of high school they're trying to get ready for the, like trying to make a junior college or an naia school sometimes you know i'm, I'm letting them know like no like you can make it you have the talent to make it. I evaluate. I won't ever lie to them. I'm like, if you want to put in the work and do the recruiting and, and get in contact with people, you have the ability to get onto a junior college roster if you really wanted to. Your size might prevent you from pl playing at a higher level right now, but you can get to a junior college. But I guess, what advice would you give for kids? Like, do you where, where, where's the where should reality set in, set in and then push, pushing past the naysayers set in? You know what I mean? Like, where do you continue to push and then when? When should they say, okay, it's time to like, just move on and go to college or move on and start a business or move on and do this? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say as somebody who isn't married, doesn't have a son, if I was counseling my son or even just the 12, 16, 18 year old version of me, it was, I was still in quarterback mode. I was doing the best I could to figure out my life and like, oh, what college do I want to go to? to? What is my career path? What's the major that I'll end up choosing? I don't know if I prayed about those things at all. In fact, I don't think I did. So I would say now as a believer, as the guy who, who truly believes that God can and will direct life, like pray about it, ask him about it. God, would you steer my heart the direction that you want me to go? Whether it's a specific school, whether it's sports or no sports, like help me to understand if I in my life to you, what does that look like? Because I have, I have surrendered the reins to you. Here's my yes on the front end. I want to go where you want me to go. So that'd be the first thing I would say, just be prayerful about it, believing that God will guide you. Like he says that in scripture, this isn't some hocus pocus, like, you know, close your eyes and just kind of think out loud. God says in scripture that he will the way that he wants you to go if your heart is truly surrendered and you can't you can't fool him like it, it is a vulnerable thing it seems dangerous it's the world series versus missionary thing but that's the first thing i would say and then even just on a practical level 
And things have probably changed since my high school days as far as getting recruited and stuff like that. One thing that I think I did do well, and this was encouragement of my parents, we actually recruited the colleges. So you don't wait for them to recruit you because in all likelihood, there's another hundred, maybe a thousand people just like you. So you need to think of this like a job interview. If you really want to work at, you know, for the Los Angeles Lakers, if you really want to work for them, do you think just sitting there expecting them to call you is like the giving you the best possible chance to succeed? Probably not. Like that might happen. You know, they might call one person a year, but the best way to do that is, okay, who do I know that works for the Los Angeles Lakers? Who do I know that is in the athletic department at that university? Who do I know that is an alum of that university? Because I really want to play baseball for them. I really want to cross for them. Just like you need to actively recruit these universities or wherever you're trying to go, because that's the way that you're going to separate yourself. Like you truly need to sell yourself almost as if you're, you know, it's a job, right? They're paid hey, new recruiting class for bringing on eight people. Like what's the difference between that and a basketball team? Like you need to send them your resume. You need to do everything you can. You need to be on a first name basis with that coach. You need to go to their, their games, this year, you need to sit right next to the dugout. And it's like, man, that, that Bob Wheatley kid, like he, he, if he really wants to go here, I guess he can't throw worth a lick, but he really like, you need to have that reputation with him because, or, you know, whatever coach we're talking about, because it might come down to you and somebody else. And it's kind of like the, I don't know, the listener, if you've seen Rudy, but it's kind of like the Rudy Rudiger factor. It's like, you just need to, you need to make it painfully obvious what you want and then make their decision. It's not 100% within your control, but you can control your effort. So like I said, one thing I think I didn't do well as far as tying God in to things and letting him lead. One thing that I think I did do well is you need to go out and get it. You need to recruit the schools. Don't wait for them to recruit you. I absolutely love those responses. Um, so we'll just reiterate. Go back and rewind this if you guys are listening. I always encourage people, people totes. If it's your first time listening to the show, pause the, the note. It's super easy when you're listening to a podcast. Most of you are listening on your phones. And if you're not, whatever, you're on a device of some sort, rewind it, take notes. This is You don't have to just like, you didn't just miss it. You can rewind it and listen again and, and take notes. But I took notes there being prayerful and being proactive um, in the recruiting and, the, and just your whole journey alone. Like if you are a believer, being prayerful, so, there's so much... Um, peace that comes with that and i can attest to that like it's one of those things i wish more kids knew and i love that you said that is like being prayerful because as i've gotten older in my life i'm i'm 34 now with a wife and three kids kids and have a pretty good career rear running businesses on the side like i like i but i don't i don't just do things without without paying anymore even when i go to my daily job that i my full-time work i pray for my team i pray for my stuff like that's i i i've made an effort to do that because I find peace in the decisions that I make. And that might sound silly to some people, but I love that Bob just mentioned that because for athletes, if you're looking to get recruited and you're saying, Hey, should I go and try to play at a junior college? Should I try to go here? Pray about it. And when you get your answer, act upon that. And I think that's, there's so much peace that comes along with that because you have more of a slip. There's never, a, there's not doubt when you have that true confirmation of the answer and you act upon it. You don't, don't have that same doubt of, of like, did I make the right decision? You, you know the right decision and you move forward with your life. There's some peace that comes along with that. Now, Bob, as you're, if you're looking back on your professional career, playing through the minor league system, we kind of briefly touched over it, but I just want to ask, like, was there a, uh, your favorite, like, was there a, a favorite player that you played against or played with that maybe you learned something from and who was it and why, what, what lesson did you learn, I guess? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I played with some awesome players, both with and against, even in even college, because I, you know, I played at USC. So in the Pac-12, we have a bunch of awesome players. Like Garrett Cole went to my high school, so he's a high school teammate of mine. He's two years older, but he and I played together. He went to UC. That UCLA team had, you know, him and uh, Trevor Bauer. That was the that was the Friday Saturday, like arsenal and he trevor bauer actually won the golden spikes that year um just some amazing amazing players at cal stanford 
Arizona State, all that stuff. But as far as uh, the biggest lesson that I think I learned, it's not somebody that I played with or even against. It's somebody that I trained with. So the first person that came to mind is actually David Ardsma. So this is like a cool uh, baseball trivia question. David Ardsma is the first name in the baseball almanac. So if you guys are with buddies or something, you want a quick baseball trivia question. Who's what, who's the first name in the baseball almanac? It's not Hank Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, David Ardsma, A-A-R-D-S-M-A, David Ardsma. He has eight years of big league service time. He was a closer. Um, he I think he led the league in saves actually one year for the Mariners, but he was more of a journeyman. He's probably, you know, in eight years of service time, he's maybe been on eight teams or so. So I trained with David every off season as a pro. He and I would go, uh, I'd live just uh, north of New Orleans in a city called Covington, Louisiana. So we trained there. It's a really good pitching coach and it was specifically geared toward velocity. David was coming off of a pretty significant hip injury and he, who all American at Rice won the College World Series with Rice first round draft pick he's throwing high 90s when he, i met him he's throwing high 80s like hip was all busted up and so he ended up getting his velocity back to 95 and getting back to the show but as i trained with him and again we lived together basically four months a year for three years in a row november december january february then you report to spring training and so the lesson that i learned from him I mean, there's really so many, but I'm looking at a guy who has eight years of big league service time. I don't know how the big league pension works, but like that's pretty close to full pension. Like he's going to be okay as far as, you know, the, he, he has checks coming in for life because of his, his past. And yet he's down there in New Orleans grinding, just like I am the guy who's trying to get his first inning in the big leagues. And so I just, I always respected David for that. He's an extremely hard worker. He's a great guy, but to see, man, like the fire hasn't faded, you know, it's kind of like what we've seen with Tom Brady over these last couple of years in Tampa It's like, how are you still doing it, man? You're 42, 43, 44. And it's one thing about your body and, you know, you're eating the avocado ice cream and all that stuff and your body's dialed in, but like for your mind to still be dialed in for you to still care and what does he have? Super Bowl rings or is it eight? I, I can't even remember. Like he, he's the goat. He's the most hardware ever. And he's still hungry. That's what I saw in David Arzma. And I really respected that about him. This is so crazy that you even brought, I just for record, I've never met Bob prior to this, just so everybody who's listening to this knows this, but I had a conversation today, at the time of this recording, no, it was it was two hours ago. What? Yeah. So, so one third. So two. So two fifteen minutes ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about athletes and money and what did it like. We were talking about Conor McGregor and what happens when a lot of athletes get to that point. Um, you know, they receive their check, they get a lot of money, and then it's like, well, does the competitive drive die off? And you see it a lot in a, a lot of athletes as soon as they get paid. You know, and and we don't judge them for that because <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know, I don't know, I've like, never. Had Money. How how human is that? Yeah. Like it's it's hard to be Conor McGregor. It's hard to grind to get to where he did, and then all of a sudden you get that big check. You fight Floyd Mayweather, and like how human is that to relax? You know, like it's tough to beat somebody up for that. Like yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, no, sorry for sorry for interrupting. I just totally no, get it. I get it. This is what's so great about it. That's why I'm glad you shared that example because some of those athletes, those are the athletes like the ones that you just mentioned it, it, those examples like the tom brady's the elites the ones who competed that level those are the greatest for a reason because they keep that drive they and and love them or hate them you know lebron james is a, a, a one that i've always really respected for the amount of work he puts in to be able to be his age playing as many years as he has now granted he has just recently i mean his body's wearing down on him a little bit foot injury and so and so forth you know, some people want to hate on him, but on him, but like, guy's been playing at an absolutely elite level for so many years, and he continues to go and go and go and go, and he's got generational wealth and so forth. 
I do have a massive respect uh, for all athletes like that. It's so interesting because this was literally like a 20-minute conversation between a friend and I two and a half hours ago, two hours and 15 minutes ago. Wild that you even brought this up. We were just talking about money and athletes and how it changes their competitive drive. What a wild story and completely unexpected. So I appreciate that. Um, Bob, as, as we get into you know, the, the next part of the interview, which, which is going to be kind of the tail end of it. I want to talk about your, your book. We've talked about it in the, the introduction. You referenced it. You know, you know, you, you're an author. Um, now you're, like you said, podcast. I was like, you, you've gotten into all these other things after your baseball career. And um, I want to learn about that. I want to give you an opportunity and a platform to share more about your book. It's called Our Heart's Desire. And I would like you to talk about what the, the whole premise of this book is and what it's all about. Um, just, yeah, just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. So the book, Our Heart's Desire, How Our Stories Reveal the Thing We Want Most. And so basically what I did in this book is I told the Bible through pop culture references. So again, like I said at the beginning of the interview, I wasn't really a Christian, even though I was going to a Christian school. However, I was taking the Christian learning tests. Like I was around the Bible. I was I was gaining all of this knowledge. And, you know, you talked about God doing things for a reason. I fortunately have been given this great foundation of biblical truth. The problem was I wasn't acting on it for a time, but now that I've opened my life over to God, like I'm starting to see all of those things come back. It's like, where did that Bible verse come from? Like that was, that was nuts. Oh, that came from when you're 15 and when you studied it for a month. And so as far as my book, not everybody has that background. And I do not want to say, and I, I don't even profess this in my book, that I'm some sort of biblical expert. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I haven't gone to seminary, but I'm a Christian. And the Bible to be God's word, I believe it to be true. And I've had a mentor that challenged me, like after I gave my life over to God officially, he's like, okay, I mean, you know, you know what Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you actually know his commandments? Do you actually know his story? And in a, like a 30,000 foot view level, I, I did, but he challenged me. He's like, we're going to read the Bible in a year together, cover to cover every word. So that seemed like a lot is like, all right, there's, you know, 66 books and, you know, 1500 pages that that's a lot. I've never done that before. So he and I did that. And I've now done that every year since he challenged me. So this year, 2023 will be the sixth year in a row that I read the Bible cover to cover. And the more I read it, again, not without, I don't have a church that I'm like shepherding, but it's, it's what I do. First thing in the morning, I'm going to read the Bible for 20, 30 minutes, whatever that day asks of me. And so even though I'm not some sort of expert sage on scripture, it does mean I am constantly reminding myself of the story that God has written. And so you had mentioned, you know, I, you know, I'm an author and we have this book that's come out. That's been a couple of years in the works, really. Like I had stopped and started on a couple of different books before then. And I had been studying stories. Like how do you, how do screenwriters, novelists, how do they create worlds? How do they build characters? What's that process like? So I was studying stories, but then also reading the Bible cover to cover every year. And at some point, and this is the first chapter of my book, I'm reading a specific story, a science fiction novel, and it just clicks. It's like, hold on. This story, this, this master story that we always tell, the hero, the villain, the love interest to be saved. You start in paradise. That paradise is quickly undone. And then you spend the next two hours trying to restore that paradise. That is the Bible. Like it's the same thing. So when I look at the examples in Hollywood, it looks like the matrix, the hunger games, avatar, saving private Ryan, like all these things that I grew up watching, you start noticing these little motifs of, whoa, okay. That was like Katniss Everdeen. I volunteer as tribute. Why do we love that? Why do we love when a hero steps in and takes the punishment, takes the pain that somebody else deserves and saves them? Why do we like that? Well, that is what the Bible says Jesus did 2000 years ago. That is what 
the Bible says is the ultimate pinnacle of, of the story that we were born into. So it was like those two sides of my brain, the, the left side that is reading scripture, kind of studying and, you know, very much enjoying it, but something that was new. And then the right side of my brain is like stories, characters, world, world building talked. It's like, okay, so maybe I love the matrix, not because I love CGI and Kung Fu, but maybe it's because I love the story about a long awaited savior setting humans free from a prison that they can't see or taste or touch and restoring the paradise that once was. You have this human race that is enslaved. You have a handful of humans that are living in Zion, Zion for Jerusalem, the city of God. And then Neo comes, destroys the matrix. And I mean, sorry, spoil alert, but how does he, he dies? Like Neo is Neo, N-E-O. He is the one, right? Jesus said, I am the way. Like there's just so many parallels. And so then I'm like, this is nuts. Like all these movies that I grew up watching and really enjoyed for different reasons, like I for the whispers that I couldn't quite nail, like this is why, because I have this story written on my heart where, yeah, I want I want to see evil punished. I want to see paradise restored. I want to see strength and power. The Bible promises we'll see all of those things in God. That's why the desire is there. That's why we create that story with a thousand different faces. So back to the book, kind of as, a, as an entry level to Christianity, you might be that person who has a desire to know God, but it's like, man, I've been listening to this Bob guy for 45 minutes and it's just kind of like not quite on the same level you might not be that person who's going to crack open the King James Bible and love it. You know, there's a bunch of thys and thous and you get to Leviticus and you're like, I'm, I'm bored already. Like I, I can't handle this. What I've done in my book is explain, no, like you, you totally do. You are enjoy this. You already want this story. It's just looked like the matrix for you. It's looked like the hunger games for you. So my book is 191 pages. There's 19 chapters. It's like 10 pages of pop, quick win, quick win, quick win. On a flight from city to LA, you can understand the gospel. You can understand the news of Jesus, the, the story that I believe we were born into. So yeah, that's the, that's the reason I wrote it because I want people to share what I've discovered with others. I also want people to... Uh, to understand it and, and embrace it for the first time, maybe. Man, so freaking cool. Like everything you're talking about. And uh, I want to ask this because there's going to be people who are listening to this and are like, oh, like, oh I want to check this out. First, they're going to want to see who you are like, and, and fi- follow you. Do you have any like social media pages or any, any websites for yourself, Bob, that people could follow you and, and see you by chance? Yeah, 100%. So my website is just bobwheatley.com. So you'll be able to learn more about the book. There's a small group videos that is a companion to that. So we have a bunch of resources there for you. As far as social, it's just at Bob Wheatley. Pretty easy to find. Love to hear from you and connect. So cool. Okay. I'm going to link all these things in the description for those who are listening. So you just check the description of the podcast on whichever device you're listening to. But um, as far as the book, book, do you have your own website for the book? Or do you go through bobwheatley.com to get to the book? Or does the book itself have a direct link. Yeah. So we have plenty of resources, uh, on bobwheatley.com okay. as far as the book goes, but like any book it's on Amazon. You to find it there. It's just, you can either search my name or our heart's desire and yeah, I'll be up there. Cool. Cool. Now I got to throw in my click funnels reference here. Um, just from being an entrepreneur myself and working with the company, we got to get you a funnel set up for your book, man. That's all I got to say right there. There's gotta be a funnel created for that book. Cause Think we can definitely get that into more people's hands there too. So super, super cool. I appreciate I appreciate sharing that, Bob. I'm I'm definitely gonna link this here in, in the in the hopefully all the people who are listening are like, okay, I know where to find it. Shouldn't be too too hard. The internet these days, as long as you know the title of the book, you should be able to find the book. Right. Like just type it into Google and if, if all else fails, just go there. But um and, and you'll find it. I just appreciate you joining me. Um, I just have one final question. The biggest parallel between sports and life now that you have the entrepreneurial background the sports background at a professional level now you're you know in your professional career as an entrepreneur and and doing your thing there and touching hearts there what's the biggest parallel 
between sports and life for you, Bob? Hmm. Man, I was not prepared for that. Um, biggest parallel, I would say, this might be a little, little like touchy metaphorical. I would say the season always ends, but there's always a new one. I'd say that's the biggest parallel between sports and, and I mean, that's a whole nother show. Like, Hey, let's talk about the parallels. I, I love sports, like the ability to grow with teammates, the ability to challenge yourself, the ability to compete, the challenges, the setbacks, like they are all awesome. So it's hard for me to narrow that down and say, Hey, here's the one thing. But if we were kind of zooming out, like the season always ends, there's some winners, some losers, but there's other season and so i would just say if if you're in a difficult season right now relationships work money whatever it is this season will end like there's there's hope just you know stick it out you're gonna be all right and then there will be a new season a better season where you can start over with whatever that looks like yeah i don't know if that's the best answer but that's my answer (laughs) Oh, it's a beautiful answer, man. That's that, that your answer is the answer. That's that's the whole, the whole point. I wanted to get to know you and get to learn from you. And so and so that's a perfect answer. And I and I'm like, it's so so wild, man. I was just yeah, being hundred percent real. My sister was just talking about seasons when we were talking together just three days ago, Sunday, whenever that was. So three days ago, two two and a half days ago, talking about seasons and the season of life that she's in. So like she referenced the word seasons, and so like you saying that. It's wild, man. The things you brought up today are just kind of like clicking in my own life. So I think it's super, super cool. Bob, I just want to say thank you. I want to I want to say thank you for joining me, being willing to share your story, uh, share more about, you know, your faith as well as the book and sharing where we can find all that and being a resource to people. And yeah, yeah, I, just, I can't thank you enough for taking the time of your busy schedule to to share your story on my podcast. So just, yeah, man, much love and, and much appreciation. Thank you so much, man. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Congrats on everything that you're doing and on the success that you're seeing on the show. There's obviously a reason and you're you're serving a lot of people well. So thank you. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. For all those listening, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. Like I said before, all I ask, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, maybe share it with a friend and uh, we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.